What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for kicking off your week with us. This is your Monday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We're a sports ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB, E-T-H-O-S FantasyBB. That's where we post all of our new podcasts, articles, different news and notes. All of the baseball content we have does get shared out there. Ethos Fantasy BB. If you're not somebody who uses Twitter, then you can go to sportsethos.com and you'll get access to all of that same great content. Now, today we're going to talk about a couple of trades that have taken place. There was a few of them, but we're going to talk about the three bigger ones. Not that there's been anything massive, but there's been a couple little, you know, shake the drink a little bit, if you will, uh, in terms of fantasy baseball values, in terms of who's going to be closing in a couple of different instances. Uh, there are a bit of a change up in the dynamic of the league today uh, in a couple different ways. Nothing crazy, uh, but we're going to talk about the trades that have happened today. Tomorrow is where we're going to go into this in a lot of depth, and it's going to be a five-hour live stream for me. If you guys have not heard this already, I've talked about it over the last two weeks. But from 1 to 6 p.m., I'm going to be live on the Sports Ethos YouTube channel. I've decided not to do it on Twitter because I want to just send all the traffic to one place and just you know see how many people are actually going to be tuning in. And I don't want to be doing that through multiple different ways. I mean, obviously, they're going to be posted out as podcasts as well. But I think it'll be neater and tidier if I just do it uh, through YouTube. I might lose out on some total viewers because of that. But I think you'll have a better experience through YouTube. You can't leave comments over on Twitter and I do like the live chat that we have when we do live shows, especially last year on the trade deadline. We had a ton of people commenting, letting us know when trades were done because you're talking, you're on stream, especially me. I'm hosting. I'm trying to direct traffic with three or four or five different guests. Sometimes you miss some things, and it's nice to have the chat there to help you out. That's just one of the reasons why. There's a few different reasons, but I think it's just going to be on the YouTube page, and then it'll go out throughout the week as podcasts. So there'll be two podcasts in the feed tomorrow, and then we'll have one come out on Wednesday, one on Thursday, one on Friday, and that will make up the week's shows because I'm actually on vacation this week. I'm up in northern part of Ontario at a cottage with my family, and I came back for the show, for today's show and for tomorrow's show. But the rest of the week, I'm taking off after that. But make sure you guys are going to be checking that out 1 p.m. Eastern. I've tweeted it out a bunch. It's been tweeted out by a bunch of our different accounts and a bunch of the different guests that are going to be on the show. So make sure you guys are here uh, tomorrow at 1 o'clock, Sports Ethos on YouTube. But let's get into the trades. Let's talk about the biggest one, I think, of the three we're going to mention here today is Paul Seawald getting sent to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Now, it's crazy, just as a side note, it feels like every pitcher and every player that gets traded recently is on my home league team. Uh, I literally have had Lance Lynn, Jordan Montgomery, and Aaron Zavale all get traded. And now we have Paul Seawald as well. So he is going to go to Arizona and he is going to slide into that closer role. Everybody else in that Arizona bullpen, in my opinion, can be dropped. Kevin Ginkle, Andrew Chafin, Scott McGuff, Miguel Castro, if you were still holding on hope there. Uh, all these guys are going to be second fiddle now. I know it sucks because Kevin Ginkle, you know, it just seems like he's come into prominence over the last week or two. And it really seems like he's been given the reins. Uh, specifically over the last two weeks, really. His last four and two-thirds innings have yielded a win, three, uh, three saves, six strikeouts. It's looked pretty good recently, but at this point, uh, you know, he's going to be one of a number of people who are going to be getting seventh and, you know, the seventh and eighth inning, along with, you know, possibly McGuff, possibly some Chafin. Uh, and there's just not really any upside in holding them, considering that um, Paul Seawald is in town now. There's the odd reliever that does have value even when they're not closing, but in a standard save league, I don't see any of these guys filling that role. McGuff has been 
pretty bad recently. I know his last two outings have gone cleanly, and he actually got the save the other day. He just pitched a third of an inning and got a save. Uh, I believe it was on Saturday. But there's no real rest-of-season outlook that is too cheery uh, for any of these guys at this point. I've liked Andrew Chafin. There's, there's one or two leagues where he was still floating around, and it's because I'm in a bunch of leagues, and I kind of just you know, forgotten that he was honestly still there uh, on one of them in particular. And it hasn't been good for him either. I know that he had, you know, a good stretch earlier in the season. But at this point, uh, they've acquired Seawall because they can't trust anybody in the back end of that rotation. Not enough uh, for a team that's still potentially going to make a run at the playoffs. I know that they've been on a bit of a cold streak over the last little while, and they're no longer leading that division. But we're only talking about, they're, what are they, four games out of the division and in the wild card, they're only one game back. So they're not going to be given up just yet. Paul Seawald will get the save opportunities there. And that much is pretty cut and dry for me. Now, on the other side, I think it should be Andres Munoz. There was some debate coming into the year. Uh, you know, a lot of fantasy people on Twitter and a lot of baseball people in general were kind of debating Seawald versus Munoz coming into the season. I had them ranked like right beside each other. And my thought process was Seawald as long as he's the closer, he has value. As soon as he's you know not the closer, there's no real value there. Whereas Andres Munoz can have some value even outside of the closer role because he's going to still get some high leverage opportunities. He's going to get some victories, crazy high strikeout rate. So I was kind of in on Munoz regardless of his role. Now he's missed quite a bit of time this year. He's only thrown 24 in the third innings, but he should be the guy getting the bulk of the opportunities going forward. Not to say that sometimes they won't use him in the high leverage situation if that comes in the seventh or eighth inning. Likely, if it's the seventh inning, they won't. But if it's the eighth inning, I could maybe see them using him if you got the top third of an order or two, three, or four in the order. And then maybe they go to Matt Brash uh, the odd time if that is going to be the case. But I do think Munoz is the guy to roster. If you are going to be using up your ads, I think that he is worthy of using one of them. You know, I always preach before the trade deadline don't use up all your weekly ads. Save them for afterwards so we can actually see where everything falls. You know, you might have you know a couple of closers that you expect or close, like a Ginkle situation. And then you have a situation where Seawald comes and then Munoz gets opened up. So, like, having the availability. Yes, you need to kind of, like, act when things happen. But also, we're still probably haven't even seen half of the deals, not even half of the deals that are going to take place yet. So, I think we need to kind of pump the brakes on making a lot of moves. But you can make a couple of them, depending on how many ads you have in your league, of course. If you have unlimited ads, then ignore me. But most people have three, four, sometimes maybe two ads, maybe sometimes as much as five or six. My home league uses five, I believe. Uh, But I think you can use one pretty safely on Andres Munoz if he was sitting out there. Started the day today, he was 66% rostered on Yahoo. There is a chance that if you're still trying to catch up, whether it's Roto or it's, you know, head-to-head, you might need some saves. Maybe you lost Jordan Romano yesterday like I did, and you might need some saves, and I think you can get some out of Andres Munoz. And even if they do go to more of a committee, like I said off the top, I think Munoz is a guy who has value even when he's not just getting saves. The strikeouts are great. The ratios are great. I think there's the chances he'll get some wins as well, even if he's not the guy who is the traditional quote-unquote closer, and I expect him to be. But if they do kind of use him as a high-leverage guy, I'd still think that Munoz is worthy of being on rosters. But let's move on to the next trade. Jimer Candelario. This one's actually just happened about an hour ago, uh, going to the Chicago Cubs. Now, this one is kind of interesting. Now, he's been middle-of-the-order bat for the Nationals, which is, you know... It's all right. He's actually had good value, believe it or not. Uh, Jammer Candelario has been close to a top 100 player for the piss-poor Nationals. Him and Lane Thomas this year offensively, and C.J. Abrams really as well recently, have uh, started to come around even with the poor offense. If you look at what Candelario's done, 
57 runs, 53 RBIs. He's got 16 homers, six stolen bases. He's batting 258. According to Yahoo and how their algorithm works, he's the 113th ranked player on the season. Well within the range of standard shallow league roster ability. He's only on 48% of rosters, just as a side note. Very low number, and I think that that number is going to start to go up here a little bit as now he is on a more competent offense, and I do expect him to play most every single day. He should slot right in there at third base, I think, most of the time. And, you know, it is a deeper roster than we're talking about in Washington, so maybe there's the odd time, uh, not even the odd time. Maybe it's just more regular that he will get a day off here and there. But I don't expect it to be too regularly. I still think he's going to play pretty much every single day. Maybe you get one off day a week. And I do think that, you know, even though he's going to be lower down in the lineup, He's going to be surrounded. And, you know, if you look at roster resource, they don't always get it perfectly right. But the lineup right now looks like it's going to be Mike Talkman, Nico Horner, Ian Happ, Cody Bellinger, Seiya Suzuki, and then Candelario. It's a great spot to have for RBIs. And then right after him, Dansby Swanson, Chris Morrell, and Jan Gomes. It's a quietly pretty good lineup there. You know, it's a fairly young, fairly talented lineup. And I do think that Candelario, it's maybe generally a kind of lateral move because he's moving down the lineup. But I think... Given the fact that it's a much better lineup, even if he does miss one day here or there, one one out of every 10 games or whatever it is, I still think that it's going to be a slight bump in his fantasy value rest of season. You know, Washington, as well as a couple of those names have done that we've talked about offensively as a team, they're a bottom third kind of offense. They're not, they're not really that fantastic. And going to the Cubs, and I mean the Cubs... Again, they're not like blowing you away, but they're definitely much more superior offensively than what we've saw out of the Nationals so far this season. They're a pretty good team. It's nice to see them actually go in and try and compete. Not that Candelario is someone that is amazing, but it's somebody who was a veteran presence. He was actually signed originally by the Cubs and made his debut back with the Cubs, I want to say, seven or eight years ago. So it's kind of coming full circle for him. It's kind of a cool moment there. And I do think that he will be somebody that is worthy of rostering, even in your 10-team leagues right now. In the last month, he is a top 60 player. The last two weeks, he's a top 50 player. So he's been producing. He's hitting home runs. He's even stealing a couple bases. For right now, I think he needs to be rostered in pretty much every single format. The last trade we're going to talk about is Aaron Savali. Aaron Savali is going to the Tampa Bay Rays. Now, I think this was a good move uh, for Tampa. They are a team that has missed a lot of innings this season from their starting pitchers. McClanahan's been hurt. They lost Rasmussen. They lost Baz. Glass now has been injured at times. I think Eflin missed a little bit of time as well. I can't even remember. now. There's so many injuries. Eflin, actually, is Eflin hurt right now? He No, no, he's back. He's back. Um, there's so many injuries in their pitching staff. It's honestly been kind of hard to keep track of. Um, but... Oh, that's what it was. Eflin was like day-to-day uh, with his knee thing. That's what it was. I, he's not actually missing a start, but I, I wasn't crazy. I thought I was losing my mind there. Uh, he did also deal with a bit of an injury, but it's just this whole rotation has just been plagued all season, and that's the kind of the, you know, the cost of doing business when your strategy is generally to acquire guys that are injured or guys that you're getting at a bit of a discount because you know, one reason or the other, there's an injury, there's something that the other team doesn't like or what have you. So, it kind of comes with the territory. Now, in terms of the return, um, Kyle Manzardo is kind of a big return to give up. We're not a dynasty show here. We focus on redraft. But Kyle Manzardo is someone that's come up once or twice on the show. He is somebody who, you know, he is – it's hard to really say from my perspective because I'm not somebody who focuses on prospects a lot. But, you know, a top 40 or 50 prospect, you'd figure at worst – 
He's having a down year in AAA, but I did hear something that kind of gives a bit of context on that. So I, from what I've heard, and I don't know 100% if this is true or not because you never know what you see online, but his mother apparently this year has had some serious illness, and he has not been able to devote 100% of his attention to baseball, which is absolutely fair. Um, but coming into this year, every season in the minors, you're looking at a well above 300 batting average, well above 400 on base percentage, good power. He's walking as much as he's striking out, if not more, at certain levels. Uh, and this year, it's kind of gone away. Now, he's still walking a lot. He still has 11 homers in 73 games. But the batting average is quite a bit down. And so is the BABIP. Everything's kind of down. Um, so I, I want to give him a bit of a pass there. I do think that maybe, and again, it's really tricky because the Rays know what they're doing. The Rays make these trades. You know, it's Isak Paredes for Austin Meadows. And we're like, Jesus, the Rays just got fleeced there. Well, I mean... You couldn't have foreseen the whole Austin Meadows situation with the mental health stuff. Maybe the Rays did, and that's why they traded him. I don't know. But the Rays always seem to be kind of a step ahead of us. So it looks on the surface like it was an overpay, and I tweeted it out right away. This looks like a bit of an overpay for Aaron Savali because as much as I like Aaron Savali, you know, he's got a 234 ERA this season. Uh, he's been an incredible fantasy asset, and I roster him in a couple leagues, but at the same time, He's outperforming his advanced metrics by quite a bit. He has a 469 Sierra. It's more than double. It's actually pretty much exactly double his ERA. 458 XFIP, 355 FIP. Everything is not great. Uh, if you look at those advanced metrics, the strikeout rate, only 19%. The walk rate is the highest of his career at 7.2%. So I like the move, but I also think that the, if the Rays are expecting him to be a guy that they can throw out there with a lot of confidence in a postseason game, I don't know that that's going to be the case. I, I That's what their hope is, and that's why they made this trade, because they want to be able to have Savali as a starter in the postseason. But honestly, you know, McClanahan is starting the first game of the playoffs for them, and then it's going to be Tyler Glass now. And then I think you could make a strong case that it should be Zach Eflin, and he would be the third guy. And then after that, it's anybody's guess. I mean, sometimes teams only use three actual starting pitchers in the playoffs, depending on how the rest days work out and everything. Maybe he's that fourth guy they turn to. I'm not so sure that I'd really even prefer him over Taj Bradley, which might sound like kind of a hot take. I just think that the raw skills are better with Bradley. Maybe he's just not quite there yet. But I don't know that Savali is the kind of guy who is going to be a needle mover in the postseason that much that you'd trade a prospect like Kyle Manzardo for him. I don't think it's a bad move. And again, I preface the whole spiel about Savali and Manzardo with the Rays always seem to know something that we don't. The Rays are always seem to pull a rabbit out of the hat and make a trade. And we're kind of like, eh, I don't know. And then down the line, it just looks like absolute stroke of genius from them. So what the hell do I know or anybody else know in terms of Rays trades? We should probably all refrain from even commenting at this point. But it looks a little rough. At the, I don't know. I, I, I got to just stop myself because they probably know more than we do. They definitely do. Uh, but on the surface, I think they overpaid for Aaron Savali. I think he can be a good arm who's a three or a four in your rotation. I mean, a, a healthy Tampa rotation, he doesn't crack. But the situation that they are right now, yeah, he's a third, fourth, maybe a fifth, star, probably the fourth starter. And then you have Bradley as the fifth guy. I just think that they paid a little bit uh, too much in this deal. But we're going to talk about... All of this tomorrow in more depth because, like I said, five hours of live content. If you haven't got enough of me, you're going to have enough of me by the end of tomorrow. That is for damn sure. But go to Sports Ethos on YouTube. If you put it in there, it should be the number one result, the live show, that is, if you go to click on Sports Ethos. The live show should be you know prominently displayed in the feed there if the algorithm works right. 
uh, go in there and click the like button and go and set a reminder for yourself so that you're in there right from the start. We have some great panels, and I'll quickly read off who is going to be on these panels for you in case you haven't seen the tweets. So starting off at 1 p.m., the first hour, we have Jeff Erickson from Rotowire. We have John Legaza from The Athletic, Marty Tallman from Triple Play Fantasy, and Frank Stample from CBS. Packed hour to start us off. Next up, at the 2 p.m. hour, we have Dave McDonald, who's a co-host of the Friends with Fantasy Benefits podcast with Justin Mason. We have Mike Carter of Fantrax and the Triple Play Fantasy Beat. And we have Sports Ethos's very own Tyler London, a.k.a. Backpick Fantasy on Twitter, making his podcast debut. So really excited for Tyler and that whole squad there. At 3 p.m., we got Chris Torres. He is another host, another co-host on the Triple Play Fantasy Beat. Britton Allen, who is within the company here as well at Sports Ethos. He's the host of the It's Gone podcast. He's also now recently been on the Palazzo podcast with our friend Michael Govier, which is really cool for Britton. He's going to be taking over as kind of like a host there for about a half an hour probably during the 3 p.m. hour while I kind of reset, uh, grab something to drink, maybe grab something to eat, and then we'll come back and I'll be uh, there as well. And then also in the 3 p.m. hour is Scott Chu, who takes care of the hitter list over at Pitcher List. Uh, I know kind of confusing there if you're not used to the industry terminology and whatever, uh, but Scott Chu, one of the best. He works for Nick Pollock at Pitcher List, but he does the hitter list. Uh, so I just wanted to clarify that there. Then during the 4 p.m. hour, the aforementioned Justin Mason and Michael Govier will be here, and we should have Vlad Sadler popping in. Uh, we're going to see. He's going to see if he can make it work. I think he can, and he should be coming on sometime in the 4 p.m. hour as well. So Justin, Michael, and Vlad. And then to close it off, in the 5 p.m. hour, we have another packed one. Eric Cross from FTN Fantasy. We got Mike Curlin from The Athletic and Gaining the Edge Fantasy. Casey Bubba. Also from Getting the Edge Fantasy and pretty much every other place where there is content available online. Chris Welsh, a.k.a. Is It the Welsh in this league? The Athletic, CBS, Fantasy Pros. God, I could literally just list off. The, between, in the 5 p.m. hour, we really have everybody covered. Uh, and then also Zach Beck, who is a newer guy on the scene. You've probably seen him at Upper Beck on Twitter. He focuses on Dynasty Points League content. So that 5 p.m. hour between Cross, Welsh, and Zach Beck... We are going to have a lot of people talking about a lot of the pieces that I expect to get moved tomorrow. A lot of the prospect kind of names, the younger guys that we don't know as much about, they do. So they're going to be talking to us about these returns, which are hopefully a plenty tomorrow. I hope for, I hope for tons of trades because that's all you really want when you have a live show uh, or something like that kind of event you want there to be content. I don't want to have to you know go back and look at old trades tomorrow. Anybody's listening who matters, I doubt they are, but go make some trades. Go have something for us to talk about tomorrow here between 1 and 6 p.m. That's, again, on the Sports Ethos YouTube channel. You can find different links that we're going to send out on Twitter as well. Go follow me at JoeOrico99, but more importantly, go check out Ethos Fantasy BB. That's where we'll have all of our content posted forever and ever, podcasts, articles, news and notes, and everything else. But, guys, until tomorrow... Make sure you set your alarms. Make sure that you are there 1 p.m. Eastern. It'll be 10 a.m. Pacific for you guys on the West Coast. You can wake up with some baseball. But until then, guys, have a great night. Take care and cheers.